Live at Five Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, I got to be honest. After the Lynx were just torched in Game 1 of their playoff series in Connecticut, I kind of thought it was going to be 0-2 in barbecue. It is not. They stood up yesterday and picked up a big win there at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Really one of the most stunning victories in franchise history, one of the <laughs> most surprising victories in franchise history. Uh, Lynx are a six-seed with one star playing on the road against the third-best team in the, in the uh, league, and really a team that's got three great teams and a bunch of other teams. The day that they're giving Stephanie White, uh, the Connecticut coach, her Coach of the Year award, um, they beat them by 30 in game one, clearly the superior team, everything going for them. And, and Lynx even dealt with uh, Nafisa Collier having a, a bad back during the middle of the game. And for them to win that game, uh, that was it was stunning, and it puts them you know, one upset victory away from going to the semifinals for the first time since 2020. Uh, it just it, it really kind of came out of nowhere. Of course, unless you want to give Cheryl Reeve and Nafisa Collier and Kayla McBride just a lot of credit for being really good at what they do. Uh, obviously, Collier was excellent yesterday and played through the back. Obviously, Reeve had a great game plan. Uh, but probably the X factor was Kayla McBride. Kayla McBride at times during her links uh, tenure has been somewhat disappointing, somewhat invisible. Um, she not, This year she's really, really pushed forward to be obviously the second best player on this team, and she was dominant yesterday. Yeah, amazing to see, certainly. And and in your column today, it talks about the links and the playoffs and the kind of the, the what has gone on this year and they're uh, we, thinking that maybe they'll tank and they don't, and here they are, a uh, win away from advancing in the playoffs. And I had forgotten they pursued some big-name free agents uh, in the offseason. Yeah, uh, you know, there have basically been like three full seasons of unfettered free agency in the WNBA. Mm. And first year... Uh, Cheryl sat out because she thought the prices were way too high and the players weren't quite to the level of the salaries being paid. Dewana Bonner was one of the players who got a big contract, and I don't think Cheryl thought that she should be like a max-type player. Mm-hmm. Uh, second year, they went in on Ariel Powers, Natalie Chunwa, uh, Kayla McBride. Uh, Powers has been a huge disappointment. It's pretty obvious that she and Cheryl do not see eye-to-eye. She doesn't even play much anymore. Uh, Chunwa has been a disappointment, and now she's missing this year with a uh, a pregnancy and McBride at times was a disappointment as well. Now McBride has turned it on and become, you know, really more valuable than her contract uh, indicated. This this last off season, they went hard after Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot. They tried they tried for Vandersloot multiple times, and you know, frankly, it just it was just hard for Brianna Stewart, who's a superstar who does all kinds of other media and has all kinds of endorsements. It was just hard for her to turn down New York. So she went to New York, and now New York's a super team. Brianna Stewart had come here, the Lynx would be a super team. That's the way you know, free agency works. And in particular in this sport, not necessarily just yep. women's basketball either, but basketball. basketball. And yep. one, one player can make such a difference. Yeah, Brianna Stewart, is, pro- is she's probably either the best player in the world or she's tied for first stage of Wilson. She might be better because she's such a great three-point shooter. Um, and she... She and Vandersloot going to New York and joining with UNESCO uh, has made that a super team. And, yeah. and it's great for the league to have teams that people get excited about that, that have that star caliber. It's brutal for the teams that miss, though. You know, I mean, again, if the Lynx get Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot, they're playing for a championship this year instead of kind of overachieving to win one playoff game. 
Yeah, uh, there's a couple of big name uh, uh, college players coming out in in uh, the near future. Uh, do you think the Lynx might make a play for either of those uh, Midwesterners that are coming to the league? I just don't know why anybody would not keep them. You know, uh, Beckers is the classic perfect uh, point guard, and Caitlin Clark is everything. You know, she's yep. a point guard who can score, who can pass. She's big. She's strong. She she loves a big moment. She can score at will. Um, you know, I don't know why anybody would give the links one of those players. So they're going to have to get lucky. They're either going to have to get lucky, or they're going to have to accidentally tank next year. They have to hope those players come out at just the right time. I mean, that the lottery ping pong balls fall the right way. It's, yeah. You know, it, it's they're going to have to get really lucky. Yeah. Uh, so Wednesday night uh, take on Connecticut back at home. So interesting how the WNBA does their first round, where the higher seed gets the first two games so if you can pick up one of those boy you get the deciding game at home uh that's a good thing certainly for the Lynx. no doubt about it they had to earn it though you know yep. winning one at connecticut was tough to do now they did it they have some something in their advantage now connecticut's really good and i don't think playing on the road is really going to bother them much um and Lynx crowds are good relatively but it's not like it's eighteen thousand people screaming their guts yeah. out on every play it's not quite it's not it's not pure claustrophobia like some NBA and college atmospheres can be, but it'll be. It actually be really interesting how many Lynx fans show up, how many people come out because you know this fan base got. There's like a certain. There's a core Lynx fan who just loves everything that the team stands for, and and the fact that they're still they're competitive and likes the game atmosphere. Then there's that secondary Lynx fan that is spoiled by championships. It's like why would I come out and not see Maya Moore win a championship? So it's interesting if they can bring some of those fans back. Go for football Saturday at North Carolina. I, I just never felt like they were going to win that game. Once it got underway, it just looked like North Carolina had more speed, more players, and certainly yep. a better quarterback. Yep, and and that's the thing is that um, that was the first experience playing against a good quarterback, and they just couldn't really keep up. Yeah, uh, they made a couple. Hey, they made a couple of nice plays. One, a couple. You know, they intercepted that guy twice. They yep. put up a fight, but I, I, I felt the same way you did. Just like two different classes of football teams. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we rolling with Caliak Manis, but he's got a little work to do. He's got, you know, some some things. He's having a hard time completing a high percent right now. He do, he isn't particularly efficient. Um, he doesn't put he doesn't make many pl- big plays down the field. Um, so he, he's neither, you know, the the guy who's going to complete sixty seventy percent of his passes and just keep the chains moving, or the guy who's going to make the big play right now. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what he was last year. You know, the fact they won that Wisconsin game, I think, kind of hid some of uh, his flaws. People got really excited about that. Yeah. But he, he's got a long way to go. He does. He's a little awkward. Uh, I don't yeah. see just fluid athleticism like I did from the guy on the other side, Drake May. No, and, and May's an excellent athlete. Uh, and that's the thing. You know, what we are kind of sold was that Ethan was going to be a really nice combo Quarterback, the guy mm-hmm. who could run, who could pass, who could throw, who had a big, strong arm, big, strong guy, and I, I just see right now, I see a very average player. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see if he can improve from here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't see the athleticism to be a, a game-breaking Big Ten quarterback. I guess uh, yeah. the, the Twins take three out of four in Chicago, just taking care of business. Uh, you know, they're they're marching toward. Uh, the postseason, uh, certainly. Is there any area with the Twins right now that they'll need to be better in order to have success once they get to the postseason? And can they develop that here during the these last two weeks of the year? 
it was interesting. Aaron Boone said he thought thinks the Twins are one of the most dangerous teams in the American League. Ah, said he loves the starting. Said he loves their starting pitching. Loves their young hitters. So the starting pitching is good enough for them to win in the postseason. Mm-hmm. The closer is good enough for them to, to close out games in the postseason. The lineup right now and since Royce Lewis got called up is more than good enough to win. And they're taking much better bats. They're wearing down opposing pitchers. They're wearing down good pitchers. Uh, the real question is, you know, assuming that the starters you start in playoff games can get you six innings. You know, what do you do with the seventh and eighth innings if you need them? Uh, Louis Varlin might be the answer. Mm. I mean, you know, and Brock Stewart's coming back too, and his stuff is incredible. But Louis Varland, since they put him in that, uh, that reliever role, has been dominant. Mm. Uh, he throws hard. He throws a 99-mile-an-hour fastball uh, that people have trouble tracking. He throws a 90-mile-an-hour cutter that people are not hitting. Uh, he throws hard. He's got a bulldog mentality. He doesn't walk people. Uh, I know he said he, you know, I'm a starting pitcher. I, he looks like a reliever to me. Uh, yeah, he looks like yeah. an average starting pitcher, and we've seen it so often in Twin Sister. Guys who struggle with starters who end up being great relievers. He looks like he's on that track. Yeah, look no further than the Twins TV booth for Glenn Perkins. Yep. He was that guy yeah. then too. Glenn but, Perkins, Eddie Gordado, yeah. Troy Hawkins, Rick Aguilera, Joe Nathan. I mean, almost all of them, almost all of the good relievers in Twins history were failed starters. That's right. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.